0: Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension beef educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we are going to be discussing an article from the July issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Quality of Forage and Impacts on Intake and Animal Performance. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by one of the co-authors, Dr. Travis Molinix, who's a University of Nebraska-Lincoln beef cattle nutritionist focused on range production systems. Thanks for joining me today, Dr.
1: Yeah, Thanks for having me, Eric.
0: Dr. Mullenix, I thought this article was very timely, especially in light of some of the dry conditions we're seeing in parts of Nebraska. In this article, you highlight some long-term data research that's looked at forage quality on native Sandhills rangeland, and really tracked that from early spring all the way through the fall. The thing I really found interesting around this data is what can happen with forage quality not only in dry years like we're having in parts of Nebraska right now, but also in wet years and what that can do in terms of decreasing quality and potential impacts to animal performance. Share with us some of the data you shared in the article. What are some key things you think producers should pay attention to with that as we think about this summer in particular, especially for later calving cows where bulls may be going out here in late July, early August?
1: Yeah, so uh, I put together a, it's roughly 20 years of data of looking at forage quality uh, basically through the summer grazing period into uh, uh, late fall. And what's interesting when we look at the data, if we compare our average year of what we typically would see in the sandhills for a range, when we compare that to a drought year or dry year or a or year that uh, we have a significant amount of rainfall, is those rainfall years or high rainfall years we really have similar forage quality as a drought year. Um, the, the big difference could be the, we've got more biomass there, but from a quality standpoint, um, really a wet year and a dry drought year, pretty similar in forage quality. Uh, and the main reason behind that is that those high rainfall years we have, that forages, you know, tend to grow earlier, mature earlier due to that high growth. and and uh, get uh, premature a lot earlier than normal. And that really catches a lot of producers thinking, you know, you know we've had a really high rainfall year, and uh, then they see that their weeding weights are 20, 50 pounds lighter, or yearling weights are 50 pounds lighter than normal, and, or have issues with pregnancy rates. And that's really due to that interaction of, of timing of rainfall, how much rainfall we had, and, and that forage growth component. Um, and this year is like similarly years that we've been fairly dry and we look at our forage quality this year, last month, our forage quality was a little bit lower than than average. And so we're, we're going to see that again in, in some responses in calf growth or even prey rates is our forage quality is not where we normally would see it to this time of year.
0: Dr. Mullenix, looking at the data, we're looking at somewhere around 2% difference, uh, depending on when you look at it, either mid-summer or mid-to-late summer, 2% difference in quality of protein, or I should say 2% difference in protein. That really can be significant as we think about cattle that are going to be breeding here in late July and August, and also how that forage quality impacts intake. Share with us a little more about some things that we should be thinking about with that, and then also, what are some mitigation strategies we may want to evaluate in light of that?
1: Yeah, we, we see the biggest impact in all these summer calving herds that are already challenged due to our environment of, you know, by July 1, our forage quality of our range is going downhill pretty fast. But in these wet years or these dry years, we see that happening earlier on that, uh, you know, a few years ago, we were looking at uh, forage quality in July and August looked like October. Um, and so this really early maturing or in a dry, dry year that we have just low-quality forages that it, it really hurts uh, these uh, summer calving herds that think about nutrient requirements of the cow herd that, uh, you know, for a May calving system. We're not yet to uh, mature, or we're coming into that peak uh, nutrient requirement time point. And uh, in the next month, we're turning bulls out and think about where our forage quality is during the highest requirements of the cows are lactating uh, and trying to recover for uh, uh, breeding season. So it's really challenging, especially young females. That's a really challenging recover from calving and, and start gaining body weight in time to start cycling early. And those are the cows we see that's really hurt by uh, years like that, that we have decreased forage quality going into that summer and, and through that breeding season. Uh, but you also see that in your calf gains as well, because calves will be lighter. Um, and so milk will offset some of that, but you'll see a decrease in weaning weight of calves and decrease in yearling weights. Uh, of of yearland programs. And so we we could see some rate issues. I know this year, our forage quality was about two percentage points lower in our native range in June versus that average that I showed in that um, on that table. And so we can see some uh, decreased rates in in, uh, some of these summer calving herds as well. And and so if you think about some uh, supplementation or some uh, ways to mitigate uh, these lower quality uh, situations is is if forage quality is, is an if we have enough biomass if in, intake is not limited you know it, it's where protein supplementation comes in of uh, feeding a, a, a high quality protein supplement distiller soybean mill etc that would help utilize that forage and so you, you get two um two benefits of that is one you have increased intake of that lower quality forage and increase the digestibility of it, but you also will have a boost in energy. And so feeding a protein supplement in these scenarios would not only support the digestion and utilization of these low poly forages, we also have an energy um, uh, increase from it. And so that's, that may be a scenario people need to look at going into summer. some of these summer breeding herbs is, um, do I need to implement a different supplementation strategy than normally because I'm, I may be breeding on some lower quality forage scenarios.
0: Dr. Mullenix, so you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but from your perspective, which are the groups that are most vulnerable to this kind of scenario?
1: Yeah, it's going to be your young cows. Uh, heifers can, can see a bit of dip in preg rates, um, and then your twos and threes. And what generally we can see is that, is for us, our peak forage quality time point is, in that last third of June, and when we start going hill up downhill after that, so cows generally in these summer calving I mean, herds are in really good body condition score right now. The problem we run into, even though we 're in you know really you know this body condition score six range, is that going into the breeding season we 're losing body weight pretty rapidly, and so that's, that's that's a challenge of not only getting cows to cycle early enough and get pregnant early enough, there's a challenge of embryonic loss issues. And so um, we can have uh, some increase in embryonic loss due to that rapid body weight loss uh, during the breeding season. But I really, if you're going to focus on our group that you can be really strategic with uh, your cost and how you supplement, it's going to be those younger females, those heifers to three-year-olds that you're going to see your biggest benefit of coming in with a, Protein supplement that will help utilize that forage and maybe increase some energy utilization.
0: Dr. Molinix, give us a ballpark idea in terms of how much supplementation should we be thinking about for this kind of scenario?
1: Yeah, so probably uh, depending on how much protein um, or what we're looking at from a protein source, but uh, generally thinking about somewhere between three and six tenths of a pound per day of a protein supplement. Um, And so if you think about distillers at 30% protein, we're talking about one or two pounds. If you're alfalfa hay that's 20%, we're we're talking about two, two and a half pounds of, or or more of of, uh, that alfalfa hay to make up that difference. So yeah, we're somewhere around that uh, six tenths of a pound of protein per day to help utilize those forages.
0: As we think about supplementing in the summer, can we see the same response as we would see in terms of supplementing in the fall and winter? Can we do that supplementation every other day, every third day, and still expect a similar response to a daily yeah. supplementation?
1: Yeah, you know, the, the great thing about cows and protein utilization is they're extremely efficient, especially in low, low protein scenarios. Is cows are very, very efficient at utilizing and recycling protein. And so it really makes it from a protein supplementation standpoint of, you know, we can supplement those cows uh, daily or once a week and have very similar performance. Most times you see guys supplementing every other day or every third day, and that way you can decrease in cost, uh, transport costs, field costs, and you're going to see the same benefit of utilizing that protein. Um, by skipping a day, you're feeding every third day than you would of feeding it daily. Um, and, and so, yeah, you can feed protein infrequently um, and still have the same performance um, due to how they recycle, how they're utilizing that protein.
0: Anything else on this topic, Dr. Mullix, you'd like to highlight as we point towards wrapping this up?
1: Yeah, the, the big deal is, is, you know, looking at your forage quality, actually getting an estimate of where my forage quality is. You Think about across the state of Nebraska, we've had some areas that uh, had really decent rainfall. And we've had some other areas in the state that are still pretty, pretty dry. And uh, but looking at where's my forage quality actually is and, and making a plan from that. If I, if I don't know what that forage quality is, then it's hard for me to make a plan around it. And when we sent off forage quality um, forages last month, I was shocked that our forages uh, were actually a lower quality than I suspected. Um, and, and so knowing exactly where you're at, is it, key to actually making a strategic supplementation strategy that you could have a big impact on your performance.
0: Dr. Mullenix, as you think about going out and trying to get a handle on what do I actually have, Obviously, at Gibbonson, you've got esophageal fistulated cows, and they can go out and graze and select, you know, what other cattle are grazing. Obviously, that's not a luxury other people have. How would you suggest folks get an idea of where their forage quality is and have it actually be representative of what's out there?
1: Yeah, so I would recommend if, you, if you're grazing a certain pasture is getting a paper sack it, and walking across that pasture in, in, in a uh, – The z manner and and randomly reaching down and plucking grass and and in the same manner as a cow would and so you kind of try to get into the brain of what a cow would do across this pasture and how that cow would graze and, and selecting those plants that typically a cow would be grazing in that time frame and so that would give you a pretty good idea what a cow is going to select but um, you know, during times of low quality forage scenarios, we find that cows are a little more selective and they're going to select for something that's slightly higher quality than what we would clip. And plucking is going to get you a little closer if you're, you know, if you can select those, those plant species that, that uh, the cow would have selected during that time frame. And so your best bet to get a pretty close estimate would be that plucking of walking across that pasture and filling up that paper sack with uh, a hand plucked samples that would uh, be representative of what that cow would have selected.
0: Well, thanks again for joining me today, Dr. Mullenix. No problem. Anytime. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you can find this article. Also at the website, you can find Dr. Molinick's contact information if you'd like to visit with him further about this topic.